Welcome to the Command Post Podcast, powered by First Do. I'm your host, Tom Lewis, First Do's Enterprise Training Manager. I am pleased to welcome Deputy Chief of Community Risk Reduction, Joe Powers of the Charlottesville, Virginia Fire Department, to the show today. Chief Powers is a graduate of James Madison University, where he earned a Bachelor of Science in Health Program Planning. He also earned a Master of Public Administration with honors from Arkansas State University. And he just recently graduated from the National Fire Academy's Executive Fire Officer Program. Chief Powers started his fire service career with the Henrico County Fire Department, where he progressed to the rank of captain. In 2020, he became the Deputy Chief of Community Risk Reduction for the Charlottesville Fire Department. He also serves as the city's fire marshal. In addition to these impressive credentials, he is also a professional credentialing peer reviewer and contract instructor for the Center for Public Safety Excellence. Chief Powers also serves as a steering committee member for Vision 2020. Chief Powers puts his passion for community risk reduction into action every day as one of the nation's leading experts and advocates for community risk reduction. I'm grateful to have Chief Powers on the podcast today. Let's get it started. All right, Chief Joe Powers, thank you so much for uh, coming on our podcast today. And uh, you're coming to us live from Emmitsburg. Tell us what's going on over there. Yeah, so it's uh, frigidly cold. It is, uh, um, I'm here finishing up our uh, the executive fire officer program. So year four, I got delayed a few days, or well, not a few days, a few months, almost a, a year and a half. So um, there's a large uh, contingent of us trying to finish that legacy program. And we're, uh, we're just a day or so from being done. So I'm ready to head south just a little ways back into Richmond to find some warmer weather. Oh, I bet. I, I bet. Uh, well, congratulations on getting that near completion. Um, I know that's that's a long process, and but a worth, well, very worthwhile program. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much. So so um, we're going to talk about community risk reduction today. You're, you're, you're clearly a leader in community risk reduction. You are in, in the okay. United States and um, you're leading the way in your department. You're also on the um, fire and life safety section board member for the IFC. Um, you're on the steering committee for Vision 2020, and so um, you're well equipped to kind of share your expertise and kind of um, ways that departments around the world, around the country, maybe around the world, if we have uh, listeners worldwide, can um, can enhance their community risk reduction program. and And let's let's kick it off with what are the things you've seen in the past ten years? The some of the biggest changes in not just programs but mindset. I mean, the term community risk reduction, you know. Up here to four, you know, fire prevention, but it's much more than that. So kind of share where we've been over the past 10 years and why it's become so important in the modern fire service. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's, re- it's really interesting that you know, the, the term community risk reduction and the model of community risk reduction hasn't been around for that long. And right. you know, we're talking 15 years or so. So, you know, in the, in the changes over our industry, We've come a long way over the last 15 years, and especially over the last 10 years with community risk reduction. And that doesn't happen that often within our organization. We take a lot of baby steps. Um, but, you know, but the really the mothers and fathers of community risk reduction and a lot of the folks that, uh, that started Vision 2020 really were able to kickstart that and build the foundation for a, um, you know, a, an industry change. But really, you know, specifically over the last 10 years, you know, I think that, that the fire service is starting to think differently about community service and program delivery. Um, you know, they're looking at it from a non-traditional sense. Um, they're looking at this, 
this this old school method and about you know thinking fire prevention and fire prevention is a way and and public education is what we need to be doing in our community um, and in a traditional sense that that worked for us for a long time but now that we have the data now that we have the resources to think differently and look at it from a strategic standpoint um, now we can start to say that community risk reduction doesn't need to focus on the fire marshal's office doesn't need to focus on public education. Um, it's really um, getting farther out and moving beyond the borders of, um, of those constraints uh, and being a strategic, you know, it's, it's strategic public engagement, you know, and it's focusing on community partners uh, because the fire departments, you know, don't have a lot of time and a lot of resources. So that's where community risk reduction starts to play a role in being very strategic and focused in what we do and, and leveraging the, the partners that are in our community. Um, and it's happening so often. Let's talk about those partners because what are the risks? What are the actual risks we're reducing? Fire comes to mind. No, you know, fire prevention and and public education from preschool on up through seniors. But what are the risks that we are reducing and wanting to reduce? And who are those partners you mentioned? Yeah. So the the risks the risks are really um, and it's funny if I talk about community risk reduction too long, I can't say the word risk anymore. So. Um, so that's going to that's gonna pop up soon. I'm not going to be able to say those words. Uh, but the risks that we're reducing, um, it, it runs the gamut. And, you know, the what we do in the city of Charlottesville is not the same risks that that um, that folks in Colorado or folks in California or even outside of our city in, in Albemarle County, Virginia. Um, we don't all have the same risks. So, you know, it could be um, looking at a pedestrian crossing um, uh the risk of, of, of people getting hit by cars during uh, during crossing a street, okay. um, and that's not a citywide problem in our community. However, it's a it's a problem in five very specific locations. And instead of trying to do a citywide initiative, let's be focused and do it and and work with our partners and in, in public utilities and public works um, to to engage the the community in a multitude of different ways to stop people from looking at their phones and walking out on the street and getting hit by a car. Um, you know, from a from an EMS standpoint, uh, the you know we understand where the the prevalence of diabetes are, cardiovascular um, health, um, you know, cardiac arrest. You know, from getting into a fire problem, we know where um, where the the areas in our city that are most likely to experience a fire, um, and really the 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 types of community or the types of businesses that are going to most experience a fire, and and we do that with data, and then we can start to go out. Um, and a lot of the data that we use in in the city of Charlottesville is 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 collected from our partners. So the you know we we're a university town, so we leverage the university to help mm. us with data projects, and and they do some really amazing things. And they use it as a teaching moment. And then the outcome for us is now that we we have some some very well analyzed information that we can include into our risk assessment. So it sounds like. The fire department can do a lot. The fire department can lead the way with community risk reduction, but we'd be remiss if we didn't rely on the expertise within other city agencies, within, like you said, the university, other entities within the community that can help support that mission. So yeah. there's, there's a strong element of outreach, it sounds like here, to rely on that expertise, acknowledge and have humility that we can't solve it all by ourselves, and then, you know, create those relationships that make the community safer. Is that, I mean, is that what yeah, you're doing yeah. in Charlottesville? Is and, that what being successful there? Yeah, and I, it is. I think one of the best examples of that um, is our frequent 911 utilizer program. It's not a mobile integrated health program. It's not a, 
Community Paramedicine Program, um, we, have, we have seen some significant um, uh, changes in our call load uh, with, by, by interacting with the folks that call 911, excuse me, call 911 most often, right? Um, however, the fire department is not doing it. It's, it's the community, it's the partners that we've, we've leveraged. You talked about outreach. A lot of times it's not the outreach, it's not the public outreach to provide a, a message. Sometimes it's the community partner outreach to figure out what is it that we can help you with and what can you help us with? Because a lot of times we're trying to engage our community and do good things in our community. However, there's a nonprofit, there's a city service, there's a community service that's available that's already doing that. And they have the expertise and the resources to do it. And so our, our, our frequent 9-1 utilizer program is really highly successful. Um, and you know the fire department provides consistent communication and collaboration with our partners. And our partners go forth and do some really, really good things in the community and, and creating some really great outcomes. Share a little bit about that. Who, who are those? Like this, it's a good example, right? The that that nine one one you know response program that that for the frequent frequent flyer, basically, right? How to manage yeah. that and um, reduce the incessant responses by the fire department. So, one, what are what are you doing there, and who are you doing it with? Yeah, so some of our largest partners are, is the University Health System from the University of Virginia. Um, the Charlottesville Albemarle Rescue Squad is a, is a small nonprofit, a large nonprofit um, volunteer rescue squad that is engaging in our community. Um, social services and adult protective services, the, uh, the Regional Community Services Board from a mental health standpoint. And they're an interesting partner because um, going into that relationship, we knew that we would never have a conversation with them. We would only be able to speak to them. Uh, and and they they attend all of our meetings and and are fully engaged. However, they're never going to give us any information. But the information that we're providing to them, we're seeing the outcomes from their work because we're 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 being the eyes in the street for for those folks. Um, there's a there's a fair amount of uh, nonprofits in the city and even for profit companies in the city that are part of that group. Um, you know, the the university health system is really interesting because. Uh, it, it took us a long time to break in um, and, and say the right words to be part mm. of that family. And once we got in, we found out that there's four or five very well-established programs in our community that are working with people that, that, um, that need the services, you know, that instead of calling 911, they can call them and have in-home care. They can call them and get transport to the hospital, you know, outside of an ambulance. Um, and it, it took us, it took us probably eight or nine months to, to find the right person to talk to. Now they're fully engaged and they're even using our risk assessment uh, to, uh, to go out in the community and provide programs and services in a preventative um, standpoint rather than, and I think that, 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 that risk assessment that we're, we're using to drive our programs and services is now driving a lot of our partners' programs and services. So we're, we see that as a success as well. Yeah, and I know, and it's interesting because those partners, you're connect, you're doing good by in the community because you're connecting people in need with the right resource. I know in my time responding to incidents, there were calls, some of the the psych calls, some of the mental health calls. We we felt just kind of stymied as how much we could we could offer. It was it was frustrating because you wanted to do so much more for those people, and all you could basically do is keep them safe, transport them to the appropriate facility, and that's almost it. Now it seems that you can alleviate a transport and get them connected with the right resource. That's going to start getting them the help they truly need that we in the fire service aren't really, we're trained to at a superficial level, you know, to recognize 
and to get keep them safe, as I mentioned, and to get them to the to the resources they need. But it's almost you're bypassing that us as a middleman to get them direct to what they need. Is that am I am I understanding yeah, that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all problem solvers. The fire service yeah. is a is a collection of problem solvers, and and we want to do the right thing, even though it's the fifth time we've gone to the same address in in the sure. middle of the night. Um, our firefighters want to do the right thing for the people. However, a lot of times they're they're pigeonholed into, well, I can either take you to the hospital or not take you to the hospital. Exactly. And I know you're going to call me again. And it's really, really frustrating. But with consistency and communication and collaboration with our outside of fire department um, partners, you know, we're like you said, we're matching resources with risk. And that's what community risk reduction is all about. It's it's either matching a, a risk that's identified in a case-by-case basis, like a, okay. a frequent 911 utilizer or a frequent flyer, or matching a risk um, with a resource using a community risk assessment and looking at it more holistically throughout the, all of our neighborhoods. So I would imagine, um, again, I, I know there's always difficulty in, in kind of breaching barriers. You know, every agency or nonprofit has their role in their mission. Um, I would imagine in most cases, Many of these entities are eager to work with the fire department, whereas others may be more reluctant. How have you, if you can do, if you can illustrate it, how have you overcome a reluctant agency or entity and mm-hmm. broke down those barriers so then you could collaborate better? <laughs> um, I, uh, it's all about coffee and flowers. I always say it's coffee, flowers. <laughs> um, you know, if I if I can if I can grab coffee with somebody and, and sit down and talk to them about what the role of the fire department is in the community and the things that we can do. Um, using our brand and, and our firefighters um, and the way that we interact with, you know, what information we can provide um, and say, and these are the things that we can't do and we really need help with it. You know, there, there, you can go a long way with a, you know, it, in Charlottesville uh, um, measurements, you can go a long way with a $5 coffee. You yeah. know, the, you find some good coffee, you sit down with some people. Um, you know, I always say it's coffee and flowers. I don't think I've bought anybody flowers, you know, recently, uh, but you start those conversations and you start that relationship. And, you know, I had a great conversation with um, um, the Homelessness Alliance, the director of a nonprofit in the city about talking about homelessness. And now, now we're, now the fire department is involved in a, in a semi-monthly meeting about specific people in our community. And some of those specific people are also the people that we deal with um, on a, uh, on a very consistent basis. Um, It's just, it's creating relationships. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, going out and meeting people, having coffee with them, having lunch and keeping that relationship and fostering it and nurturing it and, you know, and growing your garden of uh, of partners in the community. You mentioned the role data plays in all of this. And so what's some some examples you can give as far as data being used to um, help measure the success of a community risk reduction program? What do you do in Charlottesville that um, you can share, you know, vivid example that you can share with listeners? Yeah, so I think it really starts, you, we've got to take a couple steps back and we've got to use reliable data. We've got to use data to make decisions, right? Um, and, and in today's world, I think we can all agree that data decision make, data-driven decision-making is, is, the, is the right way to go. However, um, we, have to, we have to use good data to, good data, to, yeah. to drive good decisions. Um, and that's sometimes really difficult. And, and if we look at it from a, we could have a whole podcast about um, how infers can help us and hurt us. Uh, and how good, you know, bad data in means bad data out. Right. Um, but we have to get creative with our data, right? We have to understand that what is it that's reliable and what's not reliable and then start using the data that, that we have and looking outside. So uh, in the city of Charlottesville, we have nine, we're a small city, we're 10 square miles. 
Um, we're a university town. We've got about 50 to 55,000 people, um, depending on when you when the universities uh, has got got their students in. Um, but we've got 19 neighborhoods in our city, and okay. we can use data from from fire department data, um, from um, EMS reporting data. Uh, we can use our real estate data, and we can use a lot of census data. We're, we're we love um, a lot of the uh, ArcGIS products to which I know that okay. First Do is a, a as an is 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 an Esri partner, right? Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of our um, our risk assessment is built on on the data that we have and the data that's available to us through Esri. So we we know that of these ten square miles with nineteen neighborhoods, those are some small neighborhoods in in some instances, and but we know where where the residents are that are most likely going to be going to be affected by a residential house fire. We know which uh, um, which commercial occupancies are likely to experience you know some sort of a um, an emergency. But we get down even to it even farther. Like I said earlier, we know the intersections that are um, most okay. at risk. We know. We're using um, our primary, our provider's primary impression uh, to know where folks are experiencing cardiac arrest, cardiovascular problems, diabetes. Um, and, you know, most recently we worked with the UVA School of Data Science to pull that data um, and, and, and use capstone teams to, to really dive way deeper than any firefighter, from my, my perspective, any fire, or at least from my level of data analysis, way deeper than I could ever go. Um, but that starts to drive um, drive decision making. I mean, we, we even know how many homes, you know, what percentage of homes have Internet or are or, or below the poverty level. Um, that starts wow. to tell a story with each one of those. And now that we have that, now that we have a risk assessment, we can share it with our partners. And we really want to make our, our risk assessment, not the fire department's risk assessment, but the community's risk assessment. Right. We okay. call it a neighborhood risk assessment. Well, because it's not just and, fire. It's not just the, the risk to fire. There's other risks yeah. here we're talking but about. But if we're relying on partners to, to drive a lot of these matching resources to risk, like we talked earlier, um, we're going to have to create a risk assessment that they can use. So Meals on Wheels, um, okay. the uh, social services, the UVA's um, um, health system, all are using our risk assessment to understand what's what's best for the community and where is it best for the community to really drive that efficiency? Um, and the 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 way that you start to measure that is, I mean, we can measure all day through through outputs, you know, counting the number of things that happen. But we really need to be able to tell a story. And and the story, the successes yeah. in yeah the successes in storytelling, you know, um, because the city that our community did X Y and Z. Um, this is what happened, and this is how it impacted our community, impacted the families, impacted the school children. Um, we have to start um, telling, you know, spreading those outcomes to make sure that that uh, um, that that's the story that we're 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 known for, rather than you know most fire departments are known for what they're they're known for loss, right? Because on the on the cover of every um, every annual report, it has a house on fire. Um, or a car right. accident or a technical rescue. It's the things that we're proud that we do. However, we have to know our audience and we have to be able to tell a story. So, you know, we take community, the models of community risk reduction and, and we're identifying programs and services that meet the community need. And then we're, we're taking it a step farther and, and identifying those outcomes and telling the story. And then that's what we put on the cover of our, um, our annual reports. That's what we use in the media most often. 
you know, we can report on the incidents, the tragic incidents in our community, because those are those are learning opportunities. Sure. However, from a social media standpoint and a community engagement standpoint, we've got to talk about stories and the positive things that the fire department's doing. Because at some point, somebody's going to say, hey, we don't have enough funding to, to, to meet your the entire city's needs. We're going to need to cut some funding. Where are you going to cut it from? Well, if 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 we play this the right way, the fire department can be not the not the generators of loss, but the generators of, of all of these stories that that we've been reading about over the last two years. And maybe that'll save a few bucks for us. Well, and then you just you're adding you're showing um, the stakeholders, which is all members of the community, but also the decision makers, whether it's city council members, mayor, the political um, decision makers that control the purse strings and you know, the value that you're, that the fire department's going to bring besides just reacting and responding, you're taking a very, and again, we use this term, right, but it is, it's a proactive stance to improve the overall community. And so when budgets are strained, the, the contributions you're making, those decision makers like, well, wait, they make, they may be more likely to pause before cutting the fire department when they realize all the, th- all the additional things you're doing and the partnerships that you've, you've created. Would that be, would that be a true statement? Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, I think that that uh, you know, it, it really comes down to, to telling the story in the right way and looking at it like we talked about. And like over the last 10 years, we've come a long way in, and we're breaking community risk reduction out of um, out of the fire marshal's office and saying that really community risk reduction is a is a whole organization. The director of community risk risk reduction really is the, the, the fire chief. You know, it's it's operations, the fire marshal's office, uh, the PIO, the budget, um, all of anything within the fire department, we can tie into community risk reduction. And when we start to do that, we realize that it's, it's organization wide and, and, and it, it's all about the it completely rethinking the way that the fire department operates with its community. And it starts to tell really, really cool stories. How, how has it, how has this change occurred in your department? Uh, internally, as far as any resistance, how was it eventually embraced? <laughs> because it's change, right? It's something different. Yeah. It's new in the fire service, right? It's in, in, relatively speaking, anyway. And so, um, there's, there's ten. There would likely be some internal resistance. Oh, that's not our job, or you know, why are we doing you know social work or things like that? And so, how do how do you how did you address it at Charlottesville? And then, how would you? Um, what advice would you give to chiefs that are wanting to expand their community risk reduction program and need to overcome internal resistance? Yeah, so I'm not going to I'm not going to ever um, say that 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 the Charlottesville Fire Department is 100 percent on board with 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 change and community risk reduction. Right. And right. all of that. However, it's all about baby steps. Right. Mm-hmm. If um, and I, I, I've worked for the city of Charlottesville for just right at almost exactly two years. Um, and I. Uh, um, and I came in and, and that was the very first thing that we did. I, I sat down with every every firefighter at every kitchen table on every shift. And we talked about community risk reduction. We talked about the perceptions of what they they define community risk reduction is. And then I talked about the vision for community risk reduction in the city of Charlottesville and how we are going to get there. And, and that nothing that we do is going to be done tomorrow. Everything that we do is going to be is going to take 18 to 24 months to get. Okay. Um, so the 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 movement of change, there's no. Um, you know, there's no shock that, oh my God, oh my God, my entire life is going to change on a fire truck. Now we're going to be out doing all kinds of weird stuff. Um, however, 
we start to define community risk reduction and we, and we did it in Charlottesville in a very, very different way, in a very strategic way that this is not um, the fire marshal's office. This is the entire organization. So, you know, we did some cool paper, paper map exercises and identified target hazards. And we have a lot of really good conversations around our, around our risk assessment. Um, but a lot of it really comes back to communication when, when uh, um, consistency and communication and talking about all of the partners that are that are contributing back into the fire department, um, the things that they're doing that's making our firefighters' lives easier. And we're calling that community risk reduction. Um, so it's not about, I need you guys, it's not about, they hired Joe Powers, we're going to be out doing um, you know, public engagement on every street corner every day. Um, it's about, hey, we're, we're addressing community risk reduction in baby steps. You know, this month we're working toward this, you know, and when we're out doing stuff, you know, like, like smoke alarms is a really good example. Sure. Everybody says that a, that, um, that smoke alarms is a community risk reduction project. And I was like, I don't think it is. And, you know, smoke alarms don't fix a problem. You know, they alert to a problem, but they don't fix a problem. They do fix a problem with saving lives and, and with, uh, with early detection, getting people out. Um, but we we do a smoke alarm program that's a little bit different because we prepackage all of our smoke alarms with with the things that I want firefighters to talk about. Um, so when a firefighter is sticking a smoke alarm on the ceiling um, that says Charlottesville Fire Department on it and it says the year that it was installed, um, they've got a, a, um, a little form that they pull out and they start having a conversation about, hey, listen, cooking fires are really bad and that's the, that's likely what's going to happen in your home. So let's talk about cooking fires. I mean, it gives them a, a guide mm. for for uh, um, for it. You know, the, the thing that 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 has one, it's it's hampered us a little bit, but it's also it's also helped us a little bit. Is the um, essentially the the pause that our organization that a lot of organizations have have experienced through COVID. Okay. You know, I worked for the city for about two and a half months before we shut down, and our city is still shut down from um, from a COVID standpoint. Um, so that gave us a lot of time to be like, all right, stop. Let's wipe the slate clean and let's reorganize and redistribute our resources and really rewrite the way that we're going to move forward from a risk-based standpoint rather than a traditional-based standpoint. And that gave us an opportunity to look at how we do um, building inspections and you know how we integrate operations into plans review. Um, you know how we look at smoke alarms, how we how we identify the homes in the city that need a smoke alarm rather than just doing a community canvas and hitting every, every house on every street. Right. Um, you know, there's so many ways to, to, to so many ways to skin this cat, if we're going to use an analogy and, and it's all about baby steps. And if we try to, if we try to jam too much into our community risk reduction bag at the bottom is going to blow out of it. Um, and we have to, we have to take those baby steps, 18 to 24 months. Any, any initiative that I ever say, listen, it's going to take 18 to 24 months to be fully spun up. Let's figure out how to get there. So, yeah. So the community you talked about, you know, the smoke smoke alarm program, and then talking about oh, your chances of a cooking fire. If you're going to have a fire, it's probably going to be in the kitchen. Um, how's the response been from the citizens? Because I see we had a fall injury prevention uh, program in my department. We're we were a senior community, um, and it was it was actually a lot of fun interacting with people on a non-emergent basis and building that relationship, and you know not having to just visit Mrs. Smith on her worst day, right? You're trying to prevent that worst day. Mm -hmm. um, how's the community taking it? I mean, how's the relationship between like the citizens and the fire department evolved? Yeah. And, and from a, from a smoke alarm standpoint, we don't get an opportunity to get into homes um, proactively. We're, we're, we're still on a, uh, on a, at a phone call and you need a smoke alarm. We're going to go out and interact. Um, however, 
I think that the, uh, you know, here's a really good example of how the community sees us. Is yeah, that, yeah. Uh, you know, we've got a, um, we, we had a, a, um, um, a husband and wife that had worked for the university health system for a combination of 80 years. Um, and they lived alone and they called 911 very often. And we would go over and we would um, provide a little bit of comfort and reassurance. And sometimes we would take them to the hospital. Sometimes we wouldn't take them to the hospital. Um, and at the end of the day, we realized that that's the you know, fire department is not what they need. They need some in-home services. And, and we worked with the with our community partners, got in-home services. Now the fire department goes out there, you know, maybe once a month. And and the the firefighters see that that you know those are the type of things that we're taking baby steps and we're we're slowly you know working on the margins of our uh, um, of our call load, but also we also see that that couple now has um, the services to meet their need. You know, they've got in-home services nearly every day and they didn't know that they could have access to it and we didn't either, but it's through our partnerships that they found out that they could do it. So now the, you know, it, it's, it's providing direct operational impact, but it's also creating a really, really good story that, that will probably never be fully heard by our community. Um, you know, we helped, um, that same that same house we helped them get their roof fixed because their their yeah, okay. uh, their um their son wasn't able to do it and we you know we found the right people to come out and, and and fix the roof has nothing to do with the fire department but you know when it when it comes down to it that's what we're trying to do we're trying to fix problems and we're trying to do it for the right people at the right time in the right place and you know a lot of what community risk reduction is is making sure that that's how we focus our efforts serious so it's it's a serious exercise in bridge building and what it really yeah. is a lot oh, absolutely yeah. community risk reduction yeah. so before we get into like your vision for what the next 10 years are going to look like in community risk reduction I, I have to ask you this and I probably did not prepare you for this question but um, I'm curious um, as both in your recruiting for the fire department and early on in the academy pro- probationary firefighter how are you inculcating that concept of community risk as being a core mission right because some, some, I mean, I loved helping people. So to me, if I'm running from running to Mrs. Smith for a fall injury, if I'm going to a fire, yeah, we all love going to the fires and the extrications. I love that. But at the end of the day, I'm running nine out of 10, nine out of my 10 calls are going to be EMS or they're going to be, you know, a community risk reduction type mm-hmm. call. And some people they're shocked when they realize that you're not running the fires that, you know, the TV shows and the movies are showing yeah. um, and illustrating. Um, how, how are you doing that both in, in recruitment and then early on in their education and training in your department? So from a recruitment, a recruitment standpoint, you know, that it, it, it's difficult for, for me to get into the community risk reduction um, standpoint from there, but from the, uh, and I would love to, but we just haven't had the uh, opportunity to tackle it yet. However, from a, uh, um, from a, a training academy standpoint, you know, the, the uh, um, you know, my guys probably hated me for the first, uh, first <laughs> year, first year of, of me being there, but you know, we, uh, I knew that we had an academy and we had a, a relatively, you know, in a, I think about an eight or a nine week academy. And I knew that that we were providing input into it from a um, from a, a, a pre Joe Powers CRR perspective. And I was like, all right, let's bring it all in and let's and let's look at those programs. And we we really we changed most of it to get it away from traditional fire prevention and, and fire marshal's office and into a community risk reduction standpoint. So we have a, you know. Um, very early on, we were able to um, get in with the recruits and say, hey, listen, we're looking at community risk reduction and this is what it means. And it's 99% of the things that I just talked about yeah. um, of 
of it's it's about public engagement and community partnerships. It's about doing the things for the right people at the right time in the right place and being very focused. And this is this is the the future of the fire service and and everybody will everybody's always on board in in in, in an academy because you know they're no, hit from so quickly. Yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. Um, but then you <laughs> continue to have those conversations at kitchen tables. Um, and you have those conversations about things that are happening in the community, and that's that's that consistency and communication with our with our firefighters, so that they know what's happening, um, and they see that oh, community risk reduction. Oh, you know, we need to we need to call them about you know Mrs. Smith, or we need to talk to them about how you know that people are you know people are getting hit by cars at this intersection too, and we we need to look at that more often. Excellent, excellent. And so, and I'm also hearing from you too that you know it's not community risk reduction or fire prevention, fire prevention, it's and and with, it, it's, a, it's a component of that. Fire prevention is a component of community risk reduction. So it's an and, not an or. So, so I would even, I would take it a step farther and I'll, you know, in, if there's ever a comment section in your, uh, in any of your podcasts, people will probably make bad comments about this. Um, but if we could wipe the slate clean of fire prevention and, and just cross it out and, and pretend that's not a thing in the fire service anymore, um, and say that, hey, from a community risk reduction standpoint, we're going to look at our risks in our community. Now, every likely every fire department is going to have every fire department community is going to have some inherent fire risk. Right. So there is a right. fire prevention component. Um, but it's difficult for us to go out and say we're going to do fire prevention activities today when we don't know what the risk is and what those those what activities we need to, to match that risk. Interesting. Um, OK, so, you know, it's it's we're going to go out and do risk reduction activities and no firefighter ever wants to say that. So I'll never you know, I'll never you know promote that. But we have to be able to tell the stories of our communities and we have to understand the what the, the way that people live, the environments they live in, the environments they're exposed to, um, the activities and the behaviors that are contributing to, to bad things happening. That's what we go out and, and we start doing. And that's not the, a lot of times that's not the fire department's job. And that's where you know, coffee and flowers comes in and we start to develop these partnerships and we, we start doing good things, you know, from a, from a risk reduction model through a partnership and, and the fire department is, is, is not reaping the benefits, but it's feeling the impacts and, 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 um, and then communicating those outcomes and giving credit where credit's due. Well, and it's expanding the mission, increase, expanding the mission of the traditional fire department. It's in, increasing its value to the community so that it's sustaining great jobs, meaningful yeah. jobs, right? Yeah. And uh, you're, we're seeing departments changing their names, right? You've got fire, uh, Mesa Fire and Medical. We have Rio Rico Fire and Medical. We have, you know, Fire and Life Safety. You know, they're acknowledging we're always going to, I think we're always going to be the fire department that kind of gets us in the door in, in, in this world because everybody loves a firefighter. I mean, there's very few noble professions left, but that profession is becoming more noble in the in, in the mission and what we're doing out there, right? It's it's the le less sexy stuff, but it's the more meaningful stuff to the people receiving it. Yeah, I think that we'll 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 feel the devastating effects of uh, um, of a broken brand if we get rid of the fire department and the and the fire department brand or um, um, symbols from any of our absolutely any of our stuff. Like and and Ben May talks about Ben this May, yeah, time. yeah. And you've talked to you've talked to Ben many times, but you know the really good example in 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 the city of Charlottesville is the uh, the um, the health district and the university health system was doing mobile vaccines in the community. 
Um, we put them in a, a vehicle that said fire department on the side and we put a firefighter in there with them. Mm. And every door that we knocked on, the first person at the door was a firefighter. Um, and talk to him about, Hey, we would like to, I want to check your smoke alarm and I want to talk to you about vaccines. That's awesome. And we would walk in and, and that would have never happened. You know, not that the, 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 um, the hospital brand or the, or the, the health district brand is bad. We just have a much stronger brand, right? Well, that's why it's, I mean, Ben says, right. We're the most trusted brand and, and I, I, I believe we are. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think other than the red cross, I think we were, we're, we'd, uh, we'd, uh, um, we'd have to fight for it with the Red Cross, but yeah, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're at least we're, we're up. We're still up there, right? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. All right. So let's look forward, right? Um, what's what's going to happen? What if you were to prognosticate in in with your passion for this? Um, what's the ten next ten years look like for us? Um, I think I think the next ten years is that we get ri- the fire departments get rid of the community risk reduction sections. That it's not a it's not a section of the fire department that it is the fire department, and once oh, we wow. can get over that hump. You know, we we can start to see that we've transitioned and we've institutionalized community risk reduction to the point that it is the fire department. Um, you know that we have to we have to say that our programs and services are unique to our communities, and it, and it's not it's not unique to the city of Charlottesville. It's unique to the Tenth and Page neighborhood or the Fifeville neighborhood in the city of Charlottesville. Um, because we can look at from a from a risk assessment standpoint, we can look at an entire city and 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 make some very good. Uh, um, we, we can see some some risks inherent to the entire city. However, we need to get farther, farther down. So, you know, um, you know, we have to we have to acknowledge that the fire department in the future has to be community risk reduction based. It's the it is 100 percent the the vision or the um, the future of the fire department. And and any anybody that's working through the system and as a firefighter, you know, getting promoted to lieutenant captain and to battalion chief, all of that. If they want to be a future leader in the fire service, they're going to have to understand that that the traditional models of the fire service is not sustainable. And we've seen time and time again where city managers um, and council are asking very specific questions about, is it, you know, what is it that you do? Well, we do 80% EMS and and 20% fire. We don't do 20% fire. We do probably less than one-tenth of 1% um, is 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 actual fire. And, and, and we we need to be able to say that because of that, we do all of this other stuff for the community. You know, sure. We're still the fire department. We're there for a fire, um, for the for the most critical thing that could be happening in the yes. community, a cardiac arrest or a fire. We're there for them. The other, and we're also doing all of this other stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that we can we in the next ten years, I think that we can transition away from. From saying that, hey, this is the community risk reduction section, and just this section does community risk reduction. You know, I, I would, I, I like what CPSC did with the tenth edition of the uh, um, Fire and Emergency Services self assessment. You know, all of their programs are now called community risk reduction. You know, so category five is called community risk reduction. It's not called program. So fire suppression, hazmat, EMS, you know, technical rescue. Um, code enforcement all is called community risk reduction, and that's where and that's where we're going. And um, you know, and just like SCBA's clean cabs and seat belts and right. you know three quarter boots, things are going to change, and and we just we need to see the the future and and, and embrace it because it's going to take us a long way. Because really, community risk reduction is what's going to save our industry for my kids' community. 
you know, or my grandchildren's community. And I want my grandchildren, I am not old enough to have grandchildren, um, <laughs> but I want my kids to live in a community that's protected by a fire department that understands their community. Yeah, and the- I want my kids, grand, my kids' kids to also be in, a, in, a, uh, in an area where there is a very specific community risk assessment and they understand the community and they're providing the, the um, um, programs and services that's needed. Excellent. So departments that are, are perhaps struggling volunteer departments, um, departments that have um, fiscally challenged, um, but want to expand their community risk reduction programs. And, and you've, you've kind of ex- explained that, you know, in the relationship building that, that just takes a $5 cup of coffee and some flowers maybe. But um, if, they, if, they're, if they know their resources are limited, where should they start? What, what, what advice would you give them that, you know, we wanna, we wanna do better in community risk reduction. We wanna expand it. We wanna make it more a core part of our organization, but we're struggling just to meet the bare minimum of what people are expecting from our fire department. Yeah, and I think that you start small and you take baby steps, right? And and understanding that your your goal is to start to implement change in your department and use community risk and use a community risk reduction model. Once you do that, you're going to see a decrease in your workload and an increase in your efficiency, and that's some of the side effects of community risk mm-hmm. reduction. Um, but the other thing, Ian, you, when you mentioned um, when you mentioned uh, volunteers, I had a great conversation in Tennessee last month about volunteer fire departments and and recruitment. And it's a, it's a perfect time to start looking at how we define firefighters, you know, because firefighters in, especially in volunteer fire departments, but, you know, even firefighters in, in the Charlottesville fire department, not everybody, um, not everybody in our organization goes out into, in is, uh, is going into a burning building, but they're saving lives every day through the things that they do. Sure. Um, so from a volunteer standpoint, there's probably a good opportunity for us to start to transition the way that we recruit people um, because we may not need to recruit, you know, more and more and more certified firefighters to go into buildings. Maybe we need to recruit um, teachers, retired teachers, mm. and, um, and all of these other folks that can provide value by going into buildings and engaging in the community. You know, going out into the community and, and creating partnerships and having coffee and talking about what the fire service can do for the community. And all of a sudden, all of this starts to wrap back around that the, the fire department is a, is a pivotal um, uh, partner of the community. And, the, and there's a, a multitude of partners of the fire department that are doing some really good things for, for our citizens. That's fantastic. Joe, um, Chief Joe Powers, I can't thank you enough for spending time with me today. Yeah. I know we'll, we'll visit again. Um, and I know you'll be uh, heading out to what Vision 2020 um, yeah, coming absolutely. up here. So yeah. um, look forward to reconnecting with you. And uh, I wish you a continued uh, success with your EFO program. Yeah, man, I have like one day left. So I got to I gotta sleep in this room one more time and then I'm gone. <laughs> oh, man. And when you get back to some a place a little bit warmer. So that's good. Yeah, yeah we'll okay. see. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks, Tom. Uh, I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk again real soon. Yeah, thanks. Okay.